0: people together. Delayed. Monopoly's been bringing people together for almost 50 years. That's how long we've been wheeling and dealing together, building hotels together, and going to jail together. Horner the market and utilities. You can't lose. Share a smile and your day seems a whole lot better. Parker Brothers kind of fun. Brings people together.
1: Long before Tekken, Soul Calibur. Street Fighter Mortal Kombat Super Smash Brothers Dead or Alive and so on and so forth there was a different game that was a point of many arguments of unfair play Indeed. a game so intense so heated that it has ripped families apart and created grudges that have lasted generations this is the story of Monopoly this is Toys For Us
0: all of my best
1: friends are toys oh boy all of my best
0: Toys. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! All of my best friends
1: are toys. Oh boy! 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 Oh boy. Hello. Hi. Thanks for passing go and collecting two hundred dollars. Welcome back to the Park Place of History podcast. Every week. Yeah, we, that's
0: accurate. Eh,
1: every week here at Toys R Us, we take you back to the past to discover the history of a toy that has stood the test of time and made memories for countless people. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me, as always, is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Also
0: known as Rich Uncle Penniless. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Uh, sidebar is that anytime I say,
1: we take you back to the past, I have to stop my brain from saying, to play the g-
0: shitty games that suck ass. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Every fucking time. Just bite Do, my tongue. I tell you what, you know, I people listening may or may not know, but I've been on medical leave for a little bit, but, like, the thing that has kind of grounded me and mm-hmm. kept me sane is watching, like, every single bit of everything on the Cinemassacre channel. Like, oh, yeah. Angry yeah. Video Game Nerd. Yeah. Uh, James and Mike Mondays. Um, Fucking... Uh, just... And if you didn't know, Mike has a big old dick. Does he really? Like... Dude is fucking... Like a tripod? Like a horse. Hung like a horse. Jeez, I never would have guessed that. Right? Well, how about that? He doesn't necessarily give off big dick energy. (laughs) No, but... I don't know. He kind of plays with that big dick energy, though. It's very true. Yeah. Very true.
1: Very fucking true.
0: So, yeah. I'm totally right there with you to play the games that suck ass. Every fucking time. Oh. Take you back to the past. But we are... In our own way, angry toy nerds. That's true. That's true. Hashtag spinoff. <laughs> well, he does, bored James. <laughs> he does have board games. He does have board games. Yeah, uh, and I do enjoy the, the the rental reviews as well.
1: Let's get him on an episode about a board
0: game. I bet he would do it. I bet he. Would he seems it. like a really cool dude. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I know you agree with me
1: that. Of all the things we've covered so far, Monopoly is by far the most
0: cutthroat. It is, without and a I doubt. Mean,
1: we've covered fucking
0: Rock'em Sock'em robots. Yeah, it's true. So, <laughs> Monopoly being the most violent, <laughs> and we already did a, a, a about a, a game about murder. True. <laughs> yeah, true. A game about actual literal fucking murder. murder.
1: This is still the most bloodthirsty. It's true. Uh, Monopoly is a game that shows the absolute ruthlessness of greed and capitalism, while ironically making the founders and distributors loads of money.
0: Must crush capitalism! Mm hmm. Yes, friend.
1: That being said, you ready to roll the die and find out the history? Da, comrade.
0: I mean, yes. Perfect. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's go!
1: We saw our story in Make 'em, Illinois. Oh. In 1903. Make the new <laughs> or meet up with a badass woman named Elizabeth J. Maggie. A confident rhetorician, young Elizabeth Maggie, took a rather unique path for a woman in the late 1800s. In the early 1880s, she worked as a stenographer at the Dead Letter Office in Washington, which was a repository for so the we... nation's lost mail.
0: Okay, that's exactly what I
1: was going to say. She was also a short story and poetry writer, Comedian, stage actress, feminist, and engineer.
0: Dude, I want to travel back into nineteen oh three and give her a big fucking crisp high five. Hell yes! Because like, that's awesome. I think she would be absolutely appalled. Oh, like a little elated with how things have progressed, but not nearly as much as they should have. Feel like wow, these assholes should've are still a on Georgia those?
1: heartbeat thing. Yeah, and lose
0: her fucking. She would shit. lose. I've like lost my shit. I honestly i so okay. Extract all the peach trees and just oh, yeah. bomb fucking and Zaxby's friends. and your friends. And Zaxby's <laughs> So at this point I can say this. Uh
1: we're having a fundraiser and charity event in in uh, November. Yes, November November ninth. Now this has me honestly wanting to take some of that money and donating it to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> I, I'm down with that.
0: Let's make yeah, it happen. Like, Let's
1: Part it. of it can be donated to Planned Parenthood.
0: Let's do it. Because, because <laughs> fuck those assholes yeah. that are trying to... Well, you got a heartbeat. Planned
1: George, Parenthood is
0: nothing but abortion. Yeah. George Carlin, fucking shit. George Carlin
1: said it best. Hmm. These people that think like this, the their whole ideal is if you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked.
0: Yeah, no, he's absolutely right. Because like, once you're out... Fuck you! Yeah, they only care about you until you're born, uh-huh. and then, then like, that's the 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 exit point via cesarean or natural birth. Mm-hmm. That is where their compassion and interest yeah. ends. Your
1: first your first breath of fresh Sh- air.
0: It's it. You're done. Yeah. yeah. They couldn't give a fuck about you, which is fucked up. It's so
1: disgusting. Fucked up.
0: God damn! That makes me
1: sorry. So, yes, Elizabeth Maggie
0: would be very disappointed. Yeah, so Chris Pie 5 to her in the afterlife.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late 1800s, she received a patent for her invention that made the typewriting process easier by allowing paper to go through more easily. Really? Yeah. So before, it used to have to fucking crank it. Crank it, it. yeah. And she, she kind of made that a smoother process. Oh, no shit? Yeah. Hmm. Um... <laughs> When her invention came about, the number of women with patents was less than one percent. Oh fuck! The fact that she was only twenty-six years old gave her even more credit amongst her peers. That's baller. She also worked as a news reporter for a brief time in the early nineteen hundreds. Uh, you didn't was, see that a whole lot no, back Hannibal, then, either, man. She was progressive as fuck. Wow, trailblazer. She also was critical about the role of women in America. Shortly after she she received the patent for the Landlord's Game, which we will talk about, she took out an advert and offered herself for sale as a young woman American slave to the highest bidder. She mocked the expectations of how women should should present themselves and described herself as not beautiful, but had features full of character and strength, yet truly feminine. The stunt made national headlines, and Elizabeth told reporters that her goal had been to make a statement about the subjugated position of women. She was offered a job as a journalist off the back of it, and the ad that she published became the talk of the town.
0: See, now, okay, now you got women like her, mm-hmm. and then you got women, I, and I know we just talked about her, and her name escapes me, the one, the I don't want to say a shrill she-hag that went and busted up booze bottles. During oh, Carrie Yeah, yeah, her. Uh-huh. You got the two very distinct both very
1: headstrong, very Just headstrong. One in the right way, one in the wrong right. way. Right,
0: like yeah. Maggie went about it the right way. Yeah, and you know what? That's that's. I'm ashamed to say it that I I hadn't heard of her until this.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's I what mean, this whole up this whole episode. This basically it's sad as fuck that within like the past two months, uh, we've three covered episodes
0: that people are getting fucked out and of it's their all thing. Women. Yeah. It's all women. Happy Meal. Woman. uh, Monopoly. Woman. woman, Hula hoop. Woman. Woman.
1: And you don't fucking know it. Yeah. So, she had made a name for herself as a sexual, outspoken feminist. Good for her. Her father, James Maggie, was a newspaper publisher who had traveled around Illinois with Abraham Lincoln in the 1830s. While the future president was engaged in his now-famous debates with political rival Stephen Douglas.
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah. they hated each other. Oh, fuck
1: yeah, dude. Uh, James became a rather popular and fiery public speaker himself, an ability his daughter would proudly inherit. As she recalled, I have often been called a chip off the old block, which I consider quite a compliment.
0: Rightfully so. Hell yeah.
1: Her father influenced not just her penchant for public performance, but her politics as well, because he ran for office and lost on an anti-monopoly ticket in Illinois in the years soon after the Civil War. How apropos. Right? Furthermore, James gave his daughter a copy of the economist Henry George's 1879 book, Progress in Poverty. Another anti-monopolist influence that had a decided impact on a young Elizabeth Maggie.
0: Sounds like it's due for reprinting these days. No shit.
1: George theorized that although people should be able to own anything they created, land belonged to everyone and no one person should be able to profit from owning it.
0: Not I agree.
1: He proposed abolishing all taxes except for what would be a single tax that would only be imposed upon I, uh, idle landowners. Hmm. Uh, given her creative background, Elizabeth Maney came up with an idea for a board game that would make George's ideas more accessible to the public. Perfect. In the game, oligarchs enrich themselves at the expense of tenants, the latter of whom only grow poorer as available land decreases and the cost of rent increases. Anyone interested in traveling a non-trivial distance has to pony up for a railroad ticket. Anyone desiring light and water had to uh, open their wallet. And crossing the wrong landowner sends a player directly to jail. The poorer the proletarian player gets, the more he or she is squeezed. There is nowhere to go that doesn't demand a fee of some kind. Jesus, it's real life! And there's no respite. The game ends only when everyone is driven penniless into the ground but for a single aristocrat that now owns everything. Lizzie Maggie named her grim reflection of life the Landlord's Game. <laughs> she believed that the Landlord's Game would show the world as it is, and might hopefully inspire some reforms. Her other children once see clearly the gross injustice of our present land system, and when they grow up, if they are allowed to develop naturally, the evil will soon be remedied, she said two years before she patented her idea. <laughs>
0: Her new That's game, beautiful. She's,
1: she's a badass, man. Man. Uh, her new board game was a practical demonstration of the present system of land grabbing with all of its usual outcomes and consequences. What's more, it was partly a protest of the big-name American monopolist who, at the time, held a great deal of the country's wealth in their own personal grips. Uh, Andrew Carnegie mm-hmm. and John D. Rockefeller. Yeah. Which, still... <laughs> Still both of their fucking families. Yeah. I know? mean...
0: It's fucked. It is. In 1903... Titanic got some of them, though. That's true. <laughs> they got their comeuppance. St- Titanic almost got the Hershey's. Damn near.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like fucking... Uh, I guess the modern day equivalent was that Seth MacFarlane was supposed to be on, 9- on the 9-11 <laughs> flights. Like, ugh. Okay. In 1903, she filed a patent for the game, and in 1905, she published a version of the game through the Economic Game Company. Uh, She submitted an edition published by the Economic Game Company to Parker Brothers around 1910, which George Parker declined to publish. (laughs) When Maggie applied for the patent, she further represented less than 1% of women applying for patents. It hasn't gone up much. The game had two sets of rules. There was an anti-monopolist version, where all were rewarded when wealth was created, and the monopolist, which was uh, to bankrupt all the other players in order to win. <laughs> she had hoped that the game would show how ruthless and grossly unjust capitalism was and spur players into agitating for reflux. did Donald Trump play this game as a kid? <sighs> right? The game's real objective could be found in his instructions. The 1924 version, which stated that the game's object was not only amusement, but to illustrate to the players how, under the present system of land tenure, the, land year, the landlord has advantage over other enterprises. Mm-hmm. She drew nine rectangular spaces along the edges of the board between each set of corners. In the center of the nine space grouping was a railroad, with spaces for rent on, uh, say, or rent or sale on either side. Absolute necessity rectangles offered goods like bread and shelter, and franchise spaces offered services such as light and water. As gamers made their way around the board, they performed labor and earned wages. Every time players passed the Mother Earth space, they were supposed to have performed so so much labor upon Mother Earth that they received $100 in wages. Players who ran out of money were sent to the poorhouse. Players who trespassed on land were sent to jail, and therefore... The unfortunate individuals had to linger until serving out their time or paying a $50 fine. Damn. Serving out their time meant waiting until they threw a double. The rallying and chafing of the others when one player finds himself an inmate of the jail and the expressions of the mock sympathy and condolences when one is obliged to betake himself to the poorhouse make a large part of the fun and merriment of the game, Lizzie said. Uh, Her game became... um, cult favorite among left-wing intellectuals and was played on college campuses. Such was the game's popularity. Elizabeth Maggie obtained a patent on her revised version, and the second edition was published in 1932. Simultaneously to these events, she moved back to Illinois and married Andrew Phillips. She moved to Washington, D.C. with him in, uh... 1923 and repatented a revised version of the landlord's game in 1924 under her married name elizabeth maggie phillips this version unlike her first patent drawing included name streets though the versions published in 1910 based on her first patent also had name streets okay uh she sought to gain to regain control over the plethora of handmade games for a 1924 edition, a couple of the streets on the board were named after Chicago streets and locations, oh, notably man. the Loop and Lakeshore Drive.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: this revision also included a monopoly rule uh, and card that allowed higher, higher rents to be charged when all three railroads and utilities were owned, and included chips to indicate improvements on properties. Now you again. Approached uh, Parker Brothers about her game and George Parker again declined calling the game too political. Ugh, oh, jeez. Parker is, however, created, or, Parker is, however, credited with urging Maggie to take, uh, to take out her
0: 1924 pen. Hmm. Um, but Well, that's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. After these messages will be wild.
1: You know, much like a podcast, in life, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the little things. Scheduling, shopping, marketing, bookkeeping, and managing a website or social media account can prove to be a lot more than one plate can handle. That's where our friends over at The Hidden Gem come in. They focus on reliable support and highlights on the promotion of your small business by including graphic design, creative content, writing, marketing materials, and much more. Each client receives a customized and thought out project based contract based on personal goals and expectations. So, contact Heather Fabray at thehiddengemvc at gmail.com for a free consultation. And starting June 9th, visit www.thehiddengemvc.com. And now, back to the show. Why try to push her for
0: success on her own? Yeah.
1: If you weren't, if you didn't see the good in it.
0: Very disingenuous.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like I said, the game became popular with left wing intellectuals and on college campuses and the popularity continued to spread throughout the next three decades. It eventually caught on with the community of Quakers in Atlantic City, which seems like an oxymoron. <laughs> right in Atlantic City? Like,
0: oh, this is my group of Amish people in Las Vegas. Like, Did you what? know that Richard Nixon was a Quaker? Really? He was. Hmm. I am not a crook, hmm. but I am a Quaker.
1: <laughs> um... Uh, those parkers in Atlantic City customized it with the names of local neighborhoods. Okay. And from there it found its way to one Charles Darrow. And, as this month is so keen on doing, I'd like to induct Charles Darrow into the Toys R Us shitbag Hall of
0: Fame. Here we go. List the charges. You see, we jump to
1: 1934 where we sit in on a meeting with Charles Darrow and the Parker Brothers. Mm Mm-hmm. I knew where this was going He brought a game of of his own with him. And you can't see it, (laughs) but when I say a game of his own,
0: I'm
1: using air quotes. (laughs) You see, Charles B. Darrow brought the Parker Brothers a bastardized version of the Landlord's game he called Monopoly. What a cunt. After Monopoly became a hit, the Parker Brothers moved quickly to seize all rights to the game. They tracked down the elderly Lizzie Maggie Phillips and offered her one bright orange $500 bill and no royalties. Oh, she can... (laughs) When Parker Brothers offered to produce an unsullied version of the Landlord's Game, she gladly sold the rights. However, of course, it was the monopolistic version of the game and not Maggie's anti-monopolist version of of the game that became popular. And so she made no money for it. Yep. In a 1936 interview piece with her, the Evening Star wrote that if the subtle propaganda from the single tax idea works around to the minds of those thousands who now shake the dice and buy and sell all over the Monopoly board, she feels the whole business will not have been in vain. She was keen to promote Henry George's economic philosophy and perhaps make a difference in the world. After manufacturing a few copies of the original, the board game went quickly uh, underground because Parker Brothers buried it. Sure. Uh, all the while slipping the name Elizabeth Maggie into the memory hole with its fraudulent history. It was <clears throat> far sexier to play at the fictitious Great Depression origins uh, than to describe how a couple of port game robber Barons ripped off an old lady. No
0: shit. God damn it.
1: In total, the game that Daryl brought to Parker Brothers has now sold hundreds of millions copies worldwide uh, and he's received royalties throughout his life.
0: Man, fuck that guy. Yeah.
1: Much to her dismay, the other two games that she invented for Parker Brothers, King's Men and Bargain Day, received little publicity and faded into board game obscurity. The newer I'm Parker shaking Br- my
0: head constantly The these. newer
1: Parker Brothers version of the Landlord's Game appeared to have done so as well. And so did Lizzie Maggie. As she died in 1948, a widow with no children, whose obituary and headstone made no mention of her game invention, one of her last jobs at the U was at the U.S. Office of Education, where her colleagues knew her as uh, knew her only as an elderly typist who talked about inventing games.
0: That's mm, fucked that, up. That burns my ass. Man. <laughs> yeah, man.
1: I was pissed when I was writing this. I'm like, motherfucker, dude. Um, Monopoly was first marketed on a broad scale by Parker Brothers in 1935. A standard edition was a small black box and a separate board, and a larger deluxe edition with a box large enough to hold the board were sold in the first year of Parker Brothers' ownerships. Uh, They were based on the two editions sold by Darrow. Parker Brothers' sets were the first to include die-cast metal piece tokens for the places, initially using a battleship, a cannon, a clothes iron, a shoe, a top hat, and a thimble. George Parker himself rewrote many of the game's rules, insisting that short game and time limit... Uh, rules must be included. On the original Parker Brothers board, repainted in 2002 by Winning Moves Games, there were no icons for the community chess spaces. The blue chess overflowing with the gold coins came later. And no gold ring on the luxury tap space. Nor were their property values printed on the spaces on the board. The income tax was slightly higher, being $300 or 10% instead of $200. Uh, Some of the designs known today were implemented at the behest of George Parker. The chance cards and community chests were illustrated, though some prior editions consisted solely of text. But here without Rich, uh, rich Uncle Pennybags, who was introduced in 1936. Hmm. Monopoly became a hit, selling 278,000 copies in its first year Shit. and more than 1,750 million copies the next. So when you factor in for the amount sold in the original price of point of $2. In his first two years Monopoly made around a million or around a modern day equivalent of $75 million.
0: <clears throat> Off a game they essentially stole. Yeah.
1: Cunts. Yeah. In December 1935 Parker Brothers sent a copy of the game to Victor Watson Sr. of Waddington Games. Watson and his son Norman tried to keep or tried to game over the weekend and liked it so much that Waddington took the that extraordinary step of making a transatlantic trunk call Parker Brothers the first such call made or received by either company Hmm. this impressed Parker Brothers sufficiently that the Waddington was granted licensing rights for the Europe and then British Commonwealth uh version Waddington's version their first board game with locations from London substituted for the original Atlantic City ones was produced first in 1936 the game was very successful in the United Kingdom and France But the 1936 edition, published by Schmidt Spiel, disappeared from the market within three years.
0: Oh, I wonder why.
1: (laughs) This edition, featuring locations from Berlin, was denounced allegedly by Joseph Goebbels to the Hitler Youth due to the game's Jewish speculative character. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is also alleged that the real reason behind the Nazi denouncement was due to the high-ranking members who lived on those sections of the game board were given the higher property values and not wanting to be associated with the game. <laughs> the game last appeared in a pre-World War II Schmidt Spiel catalog in 1938. A new German edition with its generic street and train station names, i.e. not chosen from a single German city, will not appear until 1953. Oh, the 1936 German edition with the original cards in Berlin locations were, was reprinted in 1982 by Parker Brothers and again in 2003 in a wooden box. And one more time in 2011 in a red metal tin by Hasbro. Oh.
0: Uh,
1: Waddington released other editions from 1936 to 1938, um... And that game was exported from the UK or resold and reprinted in Switzerland, Belgium, Australia, Chile, the Netherlands, and Sweden. In Italy, under the fascists, the game was changed dramatically so that it would have an Italian name, locations in Milan, and major changes in the rule. <laughs> this was for compliance under Italian law of the period. Italian publishers, editrice Giochi produced the game in Italy until 2009 having held a unique licensing agreement from the Parker Brothers and their own copyright dating back to 1935
0: or 36, Fucking
1: fascists. <laughs> as of 2009, Hasbro has taken over the publishing of the game in Italy, but have also, for now, kept the Milan-based properties. In Austria, versions of the game have appeared as Business and Speculation. That's the name of Monopoly there, Okay. Business and Speculation. Uh, and eventually evolved to become Das Hufmanisch talent. Ooh. The business talent. Oh, the businessman's talent, rather. Okay. Versions of DTK have been sold in Austria since 1940. The game first appeared in Monopoly or as Monopoly in Austria in 1981. The Waddington edition was imported into the Netherlands starting in 1937, and a fully translated edition first appeared in 1941. Waddington's later produced special games during World War II, which secretly contained files, a compass, a map printed on silk, and real currency hidden amongst the Monopoly money (laughs) to enable prisoners of war to escape from German camps.
0: That's excellent. That's fucking baller. That is baller as fuck. Uh,
1: At the start of World War II, both Parker Brothers and Waddington stockpiled materials that they could use for later uh, game production. During the war, Monopoly was produced with wooden tokens in the U.S., and hmm. the game's cellophane cover was eliminated. In the U.K., metal tokens were also eliminated, and a special spinner was introduced to take place of the dice. Okay. The game remained in print for a time, even in the Netherlands, as the printer there was able to maintain a supply of paper. Elizabeth Maggie's second patent on the landlord game expired in September 1941, and it is believed that after that expiration, she was no longer promoted as an inventor of Monopoly. The game itself remained popular during the war, particularly in camps, and soldiers uh, playing the game became part of the product's advertising in 1944. Mm-hmm. After the war, sales went from 800,000 a year to over 1 million. The French and German editions recentered or no, re-entered production and new editions for Spain, Greece, Finland, and Israel were both produced. By the late 1950s, Parker Brothers printed only game sets with board, pieces, and materials housed in a single white box. Several copies of this edition were exhibited at the American National Exhibition in Moscow in 1959. All of them were stolen from the exhibit. Go figure. (laughs) In the early 1960s, monopoly happenings began to occur mostly marathon game sessions, which were recognized by a Monopoly Marathon Records (laughs) Documentation Committee in New York City. In addition to marathon sessions, games were played on large indoor and outdoor boards with backyard pits on the ceiling in a University of Michigan dormitory room and underwater. In 1965, a 30th anniversary set was produced in a special plastic case. The original handmade editions of Monopoly game had been localized for the cities or areas in which it was played, and the Parker Brothers had continued this practice. Their version of the Monopoly has been produced for international markets, with the place names being localized for cities including London and Paris, and for countries including the Netherlands and Germany, amongst others. By 1982, Parker Brothers stated that the game has been translated into over 15 languages. In 2009, Hasbro reported that Monopoly is officially published in 27 languages and has been licensed by them in 81 countries. Shit. That's a lot of languages in a lot of countries. Yeah. In 2013, Hasbro stated that the game is now available in multiple languages in 111 countries. Jesus. Some languages are Italian, Indian, Arabic, Portuguese, Croatian, Czech, Icelandic, and Russian. Hmm. Most foreign editions adopt their own currency and property names, for example, Boardwalk becomes Mayfair in England, Rue de la Paix in France, and Scholisle in Germany. The game also inspired official spin-offs, such as the board game Advanced to Boardwalk from 1985. There have been six card games, Waterworks from 1972, Free Parking from nineteen ninety eight or nineteen eighty eight, rather, Express Monopoly from nineteen ninety three, Monopoly the Card Game from 1999, Monopoly Deal from 2008, Monopoly Millionaire Deal from 2012, and there was two dice games, Don't Go to Jail from 1991, and an update, Monopoly Express from 2006. Hmm. A second product line of games and licenses exists in Monopoly Jr., first published in 1990. In the late 1980s, official initi- official editions of Monopoly appeared for the Sega Master System and the Commodore 64 and Commodore 128.
0: Which <laughs> is just like,
1: fuck. Yeah. A television game show produced by King World Productions was attempted for the summer of 1990, but only lasted 12
0: episodes. I seem to vaguely remember that.
1: Yeah. Uh, in 1991 to 1992, official versions... Um, appeared for the Apple Macintosh and Nintendo's uh Ness, SNES, and Game Boy. Hmm. In nineteen ninety-five, as Hasbro, which had taken over Kenner Parker Tonka in nineteen ninety-one, was preparing to launch Hasbro Interactive as a new brand. They chose Monopoly and Trivial Pursuit to be their first two CD ROM games. The officially licensed Star Wars and FIFA Cup ninety eight editions were also released. Hmm. Uh Later, CD-ROM exclusive pinoffs, Monopoly Casino and Monopoly Tycoon, were also produced under license. Various manufacturers of the game have created dozens of officially licensed versions. They're everywhere. Oh my god, bro. So there's, we have 37 pages of different Monopolies.
0: <laughs> we're not going to go through them all, but no, we're th- not. there's a ton of them.
1: There's so many. Um... Various manufacturers of the game have created dozens of officially licensed versions in which the names of properties and other elements are replaced by others according to the game's theme. The first such license was awarded in 1994 to the company that became USAopoly, starting with the San Diego edition of Monopoly and later including such uh, themes as national parks, Star Trek, Star Wars, Nintendo, Disney characters, Pokemon, Peanuts, various particular cities such as Las Vegas and New York. States, colleges, universities, the World Cup, NASCAR, individual individual professional sports teams, and many others. USAopoly also sells uh, special corporate editions like Best Buy, Boy Scouts of America, (laughs) FedEx, UPS, and others. In 1995, a second license was awarded to Winning Move Games in Massachusetts. Winning Games has produced a new board game and card game based on Monopoly in the United States. Winning Moves also produces official localized editions of the game in the UK, France, Germany, and Australia.
0: For all the various different
1: locales? mm mm-hmm. okay. The Doctor Who 50th anniversary edition of Monopoly is a special case, having been originally produced by Winnie Moves in the UK and resold by USAopoly uh, within the US. Oh, I the box license, looks like a TARDIS. Man... I love Doctor
0: Who. I do too.
1: A third license was awarded in two thousand by Hasbro to Winning Solutions, which produces specially deluxe editions, um, mostly for sale by specialized retailers. So that would be like when Target had like their wooden box versions of games. Oh yeah, yeah. They also uh, created versions in Nigeria and the Netherlands, and did some like modern licensed editions, such as Looney Tunes, Powerpuff Girls. Um, Harry Potter.
0: Okay.
1: Hasbro included a special variant rules to be played on the theme of the licensed properties. Infogrames. Yeah, that's... uh, Which has published a CD-ROM edition of Monopoly. Also includes the selection of house rules as a possible variant of play. (laughs) Fuck house rules. Yeah. EA, which publishes per-electronic versions of the game, such as... um, For the Nintendo Wii are, like, pretty much all, like, the major, like, new consoles. Yeah. EA. No I got my own fucking. issues with EA. We'll do an episode on EA eventually. Um. EA Sports. It's not in the game. It's in the, yeah. DLC. It's in the DLC. It's in the DLC. There's been Wineopoly, Chocolateopoly. There's also been a Make Your Ownopoly. Huh. Uh. There's been a version for the Amiga, BBC Micro, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, GameCube, PC, Nintendo 64, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, Sega Genesis, Xbox, and mobile phones. There was a... That's a
0: lot of different mobile versions.
1: Yes. Uh, a, a version for Windows CE, uh, a handheld version, um, an Atari version, Nintendo DS version, which came with Battleship, Bobble, and Yahtzee. Uh, and there's also been a pinball version.
0: Look, I hate Monopoly. I do. I'm not afraid to say it. I fucking hate Monopoly. Now, I can't... Look. I can't fathom liking Monopoly so much that I want to take it on a portable system with me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I want to fuck people on the go. Yeah. Yeah. No. Let alone, like...
1: Oh, man. I'm gonna go ahead and play Fortnite tonight. What are you playing?
0: Monopoly. Monopoly on the Wii. Want to play? No, bro. What? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Fine, go play Fortnite. <laughs> jerk. Uh, and the pieces. Jesus Christ, okay?
1: There's been so many fucking pieces. It's true. Pieces I didn't even know fucking existed. Probably. Okay? What you got? We have a battleship. A bear, that, yeah. a car, a dog, an iron, a shoe, a train. Uh, there has also been an iron, a lantern, a purse, a rocking horse, shoe, thimble, top hat. Yeah, then the dog okay. and the battleship. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a horse and rider. What? A wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, battleship, boot, cannon, horse, uh, iron, race car, dog, thimble, top hat, and wheelbarrow. That's like... I think that's, like, a
0: standard edition. Yeah. I think that's the one I had growing up.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but under, like, different licensed versions, uh, like, Star- in Star Trek, you had the captain's chair. Okay. Uh, in Pokemon, you had, like, a Pikachu. Okay. There's a horse head in the Godfather
0: edition, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. That is awesome. Okay, in 1998,
1: the public was asked in a poll what their favorite playing pieces were. The most popular was the car at 18% and the dog at 16%. Mm, that's a close race. The least favorites were the wheelbarrow at 3%, followed by the thimble and the iron, both at 7 <laughs> At the same time, Hasbro asked the public to vote on new plane pieces that would be added to the standard edition. The candidates were a bag of money, a plane, and a piggy bank. The bag of money won.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Um... The
1: cannon and the horse rider, horse and the rider were both retired in 2000 with no new places, tokens being, um, taking their place. But, you know, they did put a cat in there. Eventually. Kitty. Yes. Uh, the bag of money was retired in 2007. seven. Two thousand. Uh, 13 and 2017 there were more promotional campaigns and game piece decisions the iron was replaced in 2013 by the cat and in 2017 three more pieces were re- retired the thimble the wheelbarrow and the shoe hmm. which are now replaced by a penguin a tyrannosaurus rex and a rubber duck
0: that makes no sense whatsoever
1: not, not at all alright in terms of property you had mediterranean avenue baltic avenue oriental avenue vermont avenue Connecticut Avenue, St. Charles Place, States Avenue, Virginia Avenue, James Place, Tennessee Avenue, New York Avenue, Kentucky Avenue, Indiana Avenue, Illinois Avenue, Atlantic Avenue, Ventner Avenue, Marvin Gardens, Pacific Avenue, North Carolina Avenue, Pennsylvania Avenue, Park Place, Boardwalk, Reading Railroad, Pennsylvania Railroad, B&O Railroad, uh, The Electric Company, The Waterworks. Um the distribution of cash in the u s version uh has changed with new release versions oh, but I the bet. older versions had a total of fifteen thousand one hundred and forty dollars a lot of cash uh twenty five hundred dollar bills twenty one hundred dollar bills thirty fifty dollar bills fifty twenty dollar bills forty ten dollar bills forty five dollar bills and forty one dollar bills uh but then, in two thousand eight, from that point on, the money went to twenty thousand five hundred and eighty. Oh, geez! Two five hundred dollar bills, two one hundred dollar bills, two fifty dollar bills, six twenty dollar bills, five ten dollar bills, five five dollar bills, and five one dollar bills. Hmm. Parker Brothers official instructions have encouraged have long encouraged the use of house rules, um, but many casual players. Um, are surprised to discover that some of the rules that they are used to are not part of the official rules. So, like most people, do play house Mm -hmm. rules. Uh, I, I always just went by what the fuck it said.
0: Yeah, you know
1: what sucks. What sucks about Monopoly is that you can't have a fucking quick round of Monopoly. No,
0: it's always like a two three hour affair. Ten minutes to
1: burn. Let's play It's Never gonna. You get the
0: board set up in ten minutes, and that's it. Pretty much, man. Um.
1: One common criticism of Monopoly is that it has carefully defined yet almost unreachable unreachable termination conditions. Edward P. Parker, former president of Parker Brothers, is quoted as saying, we always felt that 45 minutes was about the right length for a game, (laughs) Uh, but but Monopoly can go on for hours. Also, a game was supposed to have a definite end somewhere, and Monopoly just kept going round and round. However, the problem of the time can be resolved by playing with the time limit and counting each player's net worth when the time is up. In fact, tournament play calls for a 90-minute time limit. Two-hour time limits are used for international play. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings edition gives players the option of creating a random time limit using the one ring token and specialized die. <laughs> the Spongebob Squarepants game includes a point piece that moves every time someone rolls Snake Eyes with the dice and the game is over when it reaches the board. The end of the board. Okay. Um... Played strictly to the rules, many games will be effectively decided when one player succeeds in bankrupting another because the bankrupt player gives all of his property to the one who could not pay his debt. A player who thus gains a fistful of properties will virtually control the game from that point on. Which is like, if you get fucking par- Park, uh, park place, place and Boardwalk, it's, over. it's king shit for you. Especially if you put fucking hotels on there. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And of course, if you're a massive hit like Monopoly has proven itself to be,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're going to try to weasel out, uh, weasel it into any form of pop culture that you can.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, there was a short-lived Monopoly show that aired Saturday evenings during mid, the mid-90s on, uh, ABC. hmm It was produced by, um, the same company that did Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, three contestants competed by answering crossword puzzle-style clues to acquire the many properties on the board and money equivalent to the values of said properties. Hmm. Which you know, I feel like it might thrive today. Now that there's like a whole channel for yeah, just like games, games you know.
0: We're going. Yeah.
1: In North America, a variety of slot machines and lotteries have been produced with a Monopoly theme. It's true. In Europe, there was uh, also Monopoly fruit machines, some of which remained popular through emulation. Well, that's kind of like probably the yeah. slots, right? Yeah.
0: The
1: fruit one. Um, like in Shaun of the Dead. Yes. The British uh, quiz machine brand Itbox also supports a Monopoly trivia and chance game, which, like most of its other games, cost 50p. Well, you know, 50 pounds. Um, to play... Uh, 50 pence, it's like a couple oh, quarters. Oh, 50 pence, yes. Uh, to play and has a 20-pound jackpot. Although that's very rarely one, which of course, you know, that's like when you try to fool yourself with like a David Buster or something, mm-hmm. I'm going to get this. Um, there was also a live online version of Monopoly. Um, six painted taxis drove around London picking up passengers, and when the taxis reached their final destination, the region of London that they are in displayed on the online board would be up for sale. Yeah. <laughs> This version takes far longer to play than regular on-the-board Monopoly. I mean, duh. Yeah. With one game lasting 24 hours. Good lord. The McDonald's <laughs> Monopoly game is a sweepstakes, a fucking advertising promotion, but fuck, man. It's rigged
0: as shit. It's
1: so fucking rigged. And you keep, like, like lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I'm gonna get it. No, you're just gonna win Damn, a fucking get small that fry fiber, or something. Uh, they even have fucking Monopoly tournaments. <laughs> Like, imagine being, your claim to fame being that you won a Monopoly tournament.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> uh, Nicolo Falcone of Italy defeated players from 27 countries plus the defending champion in 2018 World Championship held at the Venetian Resort in Macau. <laughs> but you know who the real champion is?
0: Oh, I know who the real champion is. Our fact finder friend. Facty. Yeah. The
1: fact in the box. Uh, Rich Uncle Moneybags is based on J.P. Morgan. Makes sense. On August 27th, 2008, at 14... GMT. Approximately three thousand three hundred sixty-one worldwide board game fans united to make a Guinness World Records for world's largest simultaneous game of Monopoly. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Hasbro states that the longest game of Monopoly ever played lasted around one thousand six hundred eighty hours, or seventy what? days, or ten weeks, or two and a half months. <laughs> Jesus. Wild. In 2000, the FAO Schwartz Company in New York sold a custom version of the one-of-a-kind Monopoly for $100,000. Jesus. The special edition comes in a locking attaché, ooh, uh, made of Na- Napoloni- Napolino, att- no, Napolino leather and lined in suede. Jeez. And features included 18 karat gold tokens. I was going to say I better be houses gold. and hotels. Rosewood Board Street names written in gold leaf emeralds around the chance uh, icon, Jeez. and sapphires around the community chest. Rubies in the bright lights of the car on the free parking space, and the money is real, uh, negotiable United States currency. <laughs> But the Guinness Book of World Records states that a set worth $2 million and made of 23-karat gold with rubies and sapphires atop the chimneys of each hotel and house is the most expensive Monopoly ever produced. Fuck. Uh, There is an Emmy Award-winning documentary called Under the Boardwalk which which profiles players in the highly competitive U.S. Monopoly championship. Jesus. And with that, we go and collect two hundred dollars on our final roll here on this week's episode of Toys R Us. Uh it really fucking sucks that yet another brilliant woman is just fucking shat on by yeah, history. Yeah, buried. Um, but you know that's that's why we do this. You know, to bring to light the stories of these people the that the fucking thought they might be forgotten. There's always going to be be a mouth to tell that story. You know, you bet. I'm uh, happy to be a part of that. Hell yes. If you like what you heard and you'd like to continue learning about new things and finding out what history has fucked over, (laughs) um, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are at Toys R Us podcasts across the board. Uh, You can leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes slash Apple Podcast. And if you would really like to help us, consider becoming a patron. Doing so will get you a producer credit and a different reward for each level of donations, the lowest being $3. We will never erase you from history. Until next time, remember that in life, there is no get-out-of-jail-free card. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid. I'd like to take the time out to thank our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. So, thank you to Jeremy, Jessica, Nicole, Amy, Nicole, Nicole, Juanita, Sabrina, Shannon, and Steven. Thanks a bunch, guys.
0: That's quite a wrap you're wearing. Perhaps I could get you some fluffy new slippers made from the heads of innocent and defenseless baby seals. Who is this ghastly man? Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And uh, you must be the Monopoly guy. Hey. Thanks for the free parking. Another activist, Maguire. Activist?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ventura, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of nature. You should try
0: it sometime. All righty then. You know something? You're right. <gasps> It's lovely, but I fancy myself in autumn. Ooh.